Blog Talk Radio. I love when they have the peach milkshakes in the summertime. They, they real do. Peaches. Yes. They those do. are delicious. Oh, my God. You know, that's, that's an interesting thing. Like, in Hawaii, the McDonald's would cater to whatever was in season in Hawaii. So when mangoes were exploding everywhere, you would have mango milkshakes and all kinds of stuff like that, which I really miss. Hawaii, like, was very catered to the sort of local thing. We have like ramen noodles and all kinds of crazy stuff at that McDonald's. So yeah, peach, a, a real peach milkshake sounds pretty delicious. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so what's so going on, on, Larry? Well, one, one thing that was on my mind coming out of the election was that, uh, now that, uh, it appears at least, <laughs> At least as of today, that Joe Biden is the winner of the election, and he's going to have his cabinet installed. That this could be um, some difficulties for WWE um, <laughs> and their their long uh, practice of having the wrestlers as independent contractors. Which, of course, you know, if you look at the criteria for independent contractors, eh, I don't think so. You know, not, not not by the way I was trained about independent po- contractors. They would never, the organization I worked for would never allow uh, people like WWE people with the level of control that the WWE has over the work, where it's performed, when it's performed, how it's performed, et cetera, et cetera, would never be uh, classified as independent contractors. There's no way. Um, but in any case, you know, a couple of weeks back, uh, Andrew Yang was on Chris Jericho's show. And, um, you know, he made it pretty clear that if he's not the uh, Secretary of Labor, he's going to have the Secretary of Labor's ear, and him being yeah. a, a lifelong wrestling fan, that uh, he certainly sounded like he's up for challenging this uh, independent contractor status of WWE wrestlers. And apparently some WWE wrestlers had been in touch with him about the, the Cameo and Twitch account 
you know, shutdown oh stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the the one thing he said, though, well, he said a number of things, but one thing he said was that they, essentially somebody was going to need to step forward to be the test case, to give him the case to go with. And I guess my Hello, question would be... Page. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Paige. I'll tell you, Paige is going to be this... I, I'm only ready with this answer so much for Guy, as you know. And so it's been fascinating to me to know, like, you know, Trump was very slow to appoint people. In fact, there's still positions that were supposed to be filled four years ago that haven't been fucking filled yet, right? But Biden apparently already has, like, like everything lined up. He's already had teams going for months, um, you know, dealing with every country and 2,000 people that are, like, ready to go, that are going to get the jobs right away that need to be filled. Uh, and so... If Andrew Yang is talking, he's going to have pull. And Democrats hate pro wrestling. Hate pro wrestling. Always have. And not that I'm saying, you know, that's the reason to be mad at them. But there's, there's definitely a more sympathetic ear when it's a Republican in office, in any kind of office. And even on a generally, Republicans are much more open and easygoing about pro wrestling in general than Democrats are. And I don't know why that is exactly, but it has always been the case. And if I am Vince McMahon, um, with all the stuff that Andrew Yang's been talking and all the stuff that's been brought up recently, like John Oliver, you know, did that thing about the WWE right before WrestleMania. Right. Um, talking about the contracting status. Anytime you have this many people talking about something, and you have a company that, again, I, in a weird way, I think COVID's going to hurt the WWE in ways people can't even imagine. And I think one of those ways was, you know, the $18 million bribe they did so they could be named an essential business. I think oh, right. those kind of things, you know, leave a bad taste. I think, you know, Linda McMahon getting an appointment as small business administrator because they donated $5 million to the campaign and then getting moved into being a fundraiser for Trump's campaign. I think all of these things, they, they don't necessarily spell doom, but what it does mean is uh, I, th- I think wrestling is not going to have the protection that they've lived under for decades. Wrestling has always sort of flown under the radar in spite of being a huge business now, and I don't think they can have it both ways anymore. I don't think you can have all this automatic money get away with all of these things, be one of the worst businesses as far as protecting from COVID and all the rest of this and not suffer any kind of consequences. This, this might be a bigger thing that people see in wrestling seem to realize. We shall see. Well, yeah. And of course they had that, you know, obviously the extra special level of protection with Trump, the Trump McMahon relationship. So, you know, I'm sure, I mean, I certainly hope that, uh, there's bigger fish to fry than the WWE and their independent contractor status. But with Yang being a pro wrestling fan and already having an interest in this, perhaps this is going to get some attention. And the WWE doing themselves no favors, getting rid of their live event people, and the morale is low. They're not engendering goodwill amongst their employees. Did you see the thing? Somebody pointed it out to me. 
So I found that thing where they trotted out Alexa Bliss to basically talk up the company in a positive way. And, I mean, Larry, it had all the charm and reality of a hostage reading a note. <laughs> it, I, I mean, it, it was really disconcerting. It sort of reminded me of stories you would hear about Seth Rollins or the things he says publicly that are so rah-rah that you know it just belies belief. You know, where you just go like, oh, my God, if you're having to work this hard to go, everything's great, everything's fine, um, that's never a good sign. And I'm curious what will come of all this. At the very least, it's just one of these things that the more people that become aware of the fact that, I mean, because I know on one level, the independent contractors, to most of the outside world, doesn't matter. But to anybody within the entertainment or sports community, they've looked at the, that situation and laughed, you know, at how right. bad they're treated and the kind of restrictions they're under and how they don't have health insurance. I mean, it's, you know, it's unfathomable to any person who engages in a physical endeavor. They can't believe it. Like stunt people, anything like that, kind of look at wrestling stuff and just go, how do they get away with this? And um, who knows? Well, I mean, all of these bad feelings aren't going to help in contract negotiations and all the rest of this stuff that they're going to have to deal with. For, so. for the life of me, I can't understand why they would, why Vince would make, want to make a big deal out of Twitch and Cameo stuff at this point in time. I, I just don't understand. It seems like the worst possible timing to take that one on. But, I would say you know. it comes down to a simple thing. I mean, Vince McMahon and Donald Trump are not dissimilar animals, right? And Donald Trump right now is going through a thing of apparently if you are going for if, – if word gets out that you're to another job because you're going to be out of one in January, right, he fires right. you right away. And people think that this is about you being, you know, disloyal. It's not about loyalty. And, like, Trump and McMahon both talk about loyalty on the surface, but what it's really about is you're not towing the line. And if, the, if, if it's, we're still not sure that I didn't win the election, you applying for a job is implying my story of I didn't win the election, I won the election, is false. So I have to get rid of you. And with McMahon, I think Twitch and Cameo and all that stuff, it's really not about the money generated. It's certainly not about, well, you know, it's our brand can do better with it. Because if that was the case, they would have these things in place. They have nothing in place, and they don't have any employees that can do any of this stuff, right? Control, because they feel out of control. I mean, COVID's mm-hmm. made them feel it's a reality check and a slap in the face. I mean, COVID has taken down. WrestleMania, you know, it, it took down, you know, it basically took down Raw Underground. It's like they have, they have never felt this powerless. And at the end of the day, it's about control, and it's about making people, reminding them that they're supposed to be grateful. <laughs> you know, you're like, you're, you're being taken care of, and everything's good. And, but I don't know. Again, it's just, to me, it's Pennywise pound foolish. 
right? Yeah. It's worrying about it, – it's all sunk cost. That's what gets me. It's like if Paige makes whatever she makes on Twitch, that doesn't take the WWE's bottom line. So it doesn't make any – it'd be one thing no. if the WWE had all of these mechanisms in place to make all of this money on Twitch, but they don't. So why don't you get things in place? Because it's not about money. It's about control. And it's about establishing precedent for later on. But with Yang coming in and all this stuff, I mean, it might be a fight that they never imagined that they were going to have, but now they're going to have. And it's the thing that I've always said, it's the number one thing that will change pro wrestling is the second they go, these contracts are bullshit. (laughs) And it's, it's something they've managed to avoid for years. And they've managed to sidestep Whenever somebody seriously challenged them, they've always backed down. That's not the story that they tell, but it's the truth. When Brock Lesnar, when they invoked this 10-year non-compete clause, <laughs> so he couldn't do MMA, so he couldn't, he challenged it. And they let it get to the court, and then they backed off because they knew at the end of the day they were risking something far more valuable than Brock Lesnar, and they were risking the whole system coming down and being questioned, being checked in a court of law. So it's going to be a very fascinating – 2020 was was disastrous but fascinating. 2021, I think, will be hopefully less disastrous but even more fascinating and interesting when all this fallout Mm -hmm. happens. I can't Mm -hmm. wait, honestly. I love it. I think it's interesting. So. Hey, you know, uh, before we go on, on on a very serious note, before we go any further, wanted to send out condolences to um, O'Shea Edwards and his family. Um, his wife passed away. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he was a, 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 a former guest on this show and a, a really good guy, you know, and just a tragic thing. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just. It's so tough, man. People are so young, and uh, our, our hearts go out to you, uh, O'Shea. I'm so sorry for your loss. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, hopefully, Samantha Starr will be along shortly here. Excited to talk to her. What a what a pedigree this, this woman has. A wrestling royalty yeah, so, on the show tonight. Yes. I mean, a third generation, which just blows me away. So, the, like, correct me if I'm wrong about any of this. So the daughter of Baby Doll and Sam Houston, you know? Correct. Correct. And so that Uncle... links you up. Yes, Uncle yeah. Jake. Uncle Jake. <laughs> Uncle Jake. Uh, and Aunt Rockin' Robin. My goodness. WWE Women's Champ. And then uh, grandparents, Lorraine Johnson and uh, Nick Roberts. So, yeah, steeped in it, steeped in it. So, Samantha Starr, where is she working currently? That's what I'd like to find out. I saw her at Viral Pro um, last year, and, you know, I don't don't believe she's been in Georgia uh, until this WrestleMerica, since Viral Pro. So uh, that's right. one of the questions I wanted to ask is, well, you know, where where is she primarily based? Because I don't I, I don't know what's bringing her into Georgia at this point. Really I cool. thought maybe Florida, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. 
Um, hey, another you know local thing uh, we, we, to note that uh, pro pro wrestling circuit is returning, but in a new town, a like new arena. I think that's really with a cool. new setup. Pardon? Yeah. No, I was just saying about it, I didn't didn't expect to see Pro Wrestling Circuit show up at Face to Face down in Morrow. I guess yes, that's the I mean, Simon, was, Sermon, Simon Sermon connection. Right. Tommy, as Tommy Pitts explained to me, we didn't have a venue. They didn't have a show. So it's sort of like a way to, <laughs> to help them both. So that, that's worked out very nicely for them. That's going to be December 4th, correct? Every other Friday is what they're what they're showing, which, I, if I remember correctly, that's how Face to Face was doing it. And I see a lot of the Face to Face roster people uh, are on the card. Um, not many of the people that um, Tommy was using uh, in Thomaston. Different crew. Right. Right. So that's going to be uh, man. This December is going to be a crazy time. By the way, I just, real quick, Larry, I wanted to shout out a number of people have come to me about wanting to contribute to the Georgia Wrestling History Award trophies. I cannot tell you how wonderful that is. I'm going to price everything up this week and uh, hopefully get some trophies made uh, right away. And so that way we can, that way my, in my mind, all we'll have to do is engrave them with whoever the winners are. And it's going to be a lot of trophies this year. <laughs> so, a lot of categories. Uh, and, you know, a lot I of categories, yeah. I don't remember if we addressed this on the last show. We probably did. But the idea that we will probably move the deadlines, like for nominations and for voting, back as far as possible to include as many shows as possible, given that so much of this is loaded towards the end of the year. Right. Um, I think it's great. I think it's smart. And that way it feels fair, too. Like, I've, I've always felt bad that AWE basically gets screwed with their show of the year every year. Right. It's just not possible. And, um, I mean, I would be lying if I said that that's one of the reasons that we did Sacred Ground in September. <laughs> At least September, <laughs> I thought, was like a nice, sweet spot where people would remember yeah. the show. And, right. Um, but uh, that'll be great. People are now sending me, oh, my God, match of the year contenders that they want me to watch and talk about. I had a lot of fun talking about that Orion Bishop-Austin um, Towers match. I had a lot of fun doing that. So Yeah, that, that was interesting. I, 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 I checked that out. Having been there live, I was curious to see what you said. And, you know, we talked off air about the fact that the thing that didn't come across in the tape was the how hard they were working and the physicality, the impact of what they were doing in that ring. You just couldn't get that from watching it on tape. Um, you know, it's 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 an interesting. Now what we have like a kind of control groups to study because now we've seen wrestling without crowds. We've seen wrestling, and the difference between the live experience and what it looks like on on through YouTube. It's vastly different. I'm I'm really looking forward to going to these live shows at ICW. I imagine I will love the shows just because I get to be part of the experience of it all. I think it just makes such a marked difference. And uh, that's why I think the rumor that they're going to try to get Royal Rumble in front of a real crowd no matter what. And some people were kind of outraged by that, but I totally get it. I think if there's one match 
that does not work in front of a bunch of people on a screen, it's Royal Rumble. I think, you know, right. the surprises and the very nature of it and what's at stake for the winner and pointing at the WrestleMania sign and all that stuff, I don't think that that match is 40% of what it should be without a live crowd in front of it. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Hey, I think we got one of our guests of honor here is uh, is in the uh, green room here. So let's bring her on the okay. air. We're thrilled at this Please. point to have third-generation wrestler We'll be appearing for WrestleMerica this coming Saturday night. Samantha Starr, welcome to The Tipping Point. Hello, everyone. How are y'all doing tonight? Hey! I love doing well. it. We're doing great. Doing great, Samantha. Thank you for coming on with that energy. I love it. So Yeah, of course. WrestleMerica, who contacted you? What made you want to work there? So... One of my big things, I've always been known for being independent. I haven't ever signed a contract. So it was actually Ben Masters who reached out to me and invited me to WrestleMerica. Um, they don't have a very strong or a women's division at all. So right. what better than to have a third-generation wrestler take on Dream Girl Ellie for the first match in, in uh, Barnesville, Georgia? Nice. Now, right. I, Samantha, I remember seeing you in Viral Pro, uh, but I can't recall. Did you wrestle Ellie that night? No, Over I actually in, uh, wrestled um, Aria Blake for Viral oh, Pro. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've never wrestled Ellie before? No, never. I've never even met her. Oh, okay. Right. That should so be, it'll be interesting. interesting. It'll be interesting to see the the dynamic and the the connection that we can make and and tear the tear the roof off. The, um, from my from my understanding, she's amazing. She's uh she's very well known around wrestling. She has a really good reputation. So it'll be a it'll be a unique first time matchup for us. Where 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 are you based out of, Samantha? Yeah, right now I live um just a little north of Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh okay. Yeah, so um, that's home for now, out here in the mountains. I I uh, can only imagine what it must have been like growing up in the family you grew up in, so steeped in 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 wrestling as yours is. Um, did you spend a lot of time in wrestling locker rooms as a kid? So I grew up in a very unique situation. So my mother raised us. So for anyone listening that doesn't know who I am, I am a third-generation wrestler. My mom is the perfect 10 baby doll. My dad is Sam Houston. My uncle is Jake the Snake Roberts. My aunt is Rockin' Robin. My grandparents, I had three, four, three out of four of my grandparents wrestled. So I had Grizzly Smith on my dad's side. And then I also had on my mom's side, both of her parents wrestled. I had Lorraine Johnson, who was a tag team member uh, with Penny Banner. And then I had Nick Wildman Roberts who wrestled, but he also promoted in Texas. So growing up, I, I was always surrounded by wrestling, but you don't understand the just the – I don't even know how to explain it. You don't understand the stardom that you have in your family when you're a younger kid. You just think that, you know, the world revolves around you at that point in time. So you're young and you don't okay. understand, like, the impact that your family members had on other people's lives. So growing up, my mom raised my sister and myself. My dad was handling his demons and living his life separately. So up until I was about probably seven or eight wrestling, we watched wrestling, but 
it was the attitude era. I was born in 92, so I grew up whenever, you know, the women were in lingerie and the men were dropping F-bombs like they were going to war. Like, I grew up in a very risque era, and my mom didn't want me to look at that wrestling and think that that's what she or my family did because it was different. 80s wrestling was different than what it was in the 90s and early 2000s. So she didn't want me to see the women in bra and panty matches and think that that's what my family did. She didn't want to have that that reputation follow her around like, oh, well, did you see that that person was in Playboy? Oh, my God, was my mom in Playboy? And then have that that just tainted outlook. So I traveled with her, and I, I did several um, – like autograph signings and different conventions all over all over the country. We drove down to, to Florida to do an autograph signing down in Florida at one point in time. Um, WCW came to town. Um, it was probably ninety seven, I would say. I was I was young. I was like really, really young. But I remember they we got to go in and hang out with like the Dudley boys and hang out with Booker T and it was so so really like awesome because it was before the matches. And then they actually let us, like, bump around in the ring and, like, jump off the ropes and stuff. And it was – we were <laughs> little kids. And there was, like, blood stains on the mats. And we were like, oh, my God, that's real blood. That's so cool. And then going up into the crowd on a school night and getting to watch and being so tired because I was already, you know, little kids. Once they've, once they've been at 100 miles per hour all day, they're going to crash and burn. So, like, couldn't even hold my eyes open and, like, in the stands trying to watch the matches. I was just like, I'm done. I am I am so drunk off excitement it was amazing so growing up I did get to spend a lot of time around it and then it wasn't until I was about probably 13 years old where I started to understand the business part of it so who is responsible would you credit for your training and that kind of thing so actually so I got I got started in training really really young Um, I started training in ring when I was only 14 years old that's when I took took my first bump so thank freshman in high school I I don't even think I was in high school yet I think it was like summer going into high school Um, we were setting up for a company called CWA in South Carolina it was a champions with attitude run by Roger Gleaton and their heavyweight champion Timber he was like hey do you want to try this out and my mom was like yeah go ahead so I, I used to like set up the set up the chairs and set up the tables and set up the ring and, and sell merchandise and stuff like that. Like I was always on the outside and learning the business part of it and how to do the business, how to deal with promoters, how to deal with fans, how to how to do the business part of how to make money, how to present yourself, how to be respectful. So when I was thirteen, fourteen years old and they gave me the opportunity, like, Hey, do you wanna try this? I was ecstatic. I was through the through, through the roof. So I was like, yeah, 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 let's go. So they got me in the ring beforehand, before one of the uh, one of the shows, and I started taking bumps and I started learning learning how to tuck my chin, and that was like the hardest thing for me to learn was just how to tuck my chin. And I remember being so stiff the next morning, I couldn't lift my head off the pillow. I was miserable. They're like, do you want to do this again? And I was like, yeah, a hundred times, yes. Get me in there today. Like, couldn't even move, but wanted to get back in the ring. So I always lived by the, almost by the motto of you're only as good as who you train with, and you're gonna you're gonna pick up the habits the habits of your trainers. So if if you go to learn how to lock up, and everyone does it a different way, even though it it might be just a little tiny hair different, everybody locks up a different way. Everybody takes an arm a different way. 
So I was taught to, to, to be as good as not better than my trainers. Well, you only know what, what they can teach you. So I would train with multiple different people. So I worked with, with the insane lumberjack timber. I worked with, with, uh, the mid Atlantic badass Damian Wayne. I worked with, with Mark James. I worked with Scrapyard Dog. I worked with literally anyone that would get in the ring with me that would help me and train me and work with me. I would pick up whatever they would, whatever knowledge they would give out to me, I would 100% take up. And then my dad brought me out to the ring. And my dad's 57, 57 years old now. He can stand, stand up and still do a backflip. Like, wow. who wouldn't want to learn how to do a backflip from their dad? So I've actually gotten a body slam my dad. And I'm smaller. I'm only five foot five. Like I'm, I'm an average size for a girl, but for my family, I'm smaller. My dad's six foot four, and I got to body slam my dad, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so with my training, I credit it to literally everybody that I've ever stepped in the ring with, because whether they knew it or not, whether they were training me or teaching me, I learned something from every single person that I stepped into the ring with. So. From my stepdad, Chad Bird, he actually has a ring in his in his backyard that we go and work out in, and he, he works out with me in the ring sometimes. And my husband also, he wrestles. And just literally anyone and everyone that I can get into the ring with, I will 100% pay attention and learn something from them, whether it's something to do or something not to do. One one way or the other, it's just you're constantly adding information to your, to your resume. Well, Samantha, How old were you, you when seem... you... Oh, yeah, go ahead, Larry. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. How old were you when you had your first match? Uh, 17. Mm. So I knew, yeah, I knew going into wrestling that I was going to be looked at. I knew that I was going to have attention on me from the, the, the moment I took my first bump. I knew that I was third generation. I knew that people were going to look at me and judge me. Before I even had my first match, before I was even out of training, I was being judged. Before I even, before I even did anything, people were going to say, "Oh, well, you're never going to be as good as your mother, or you're never going to be as good as Jake, or you're never going to be as good as this person." I had really big shoes to fill, so I didn't want to go through training and be and be half-assed. And I'm really educated. Like I, I don't want to be just a wrestler. Like I, I went to school. I got my college degree. Like I always put education and putting it a foundation before wrestling. That was that was me. That was my decision. That was I wanted to have a fallback plan because I understand injuries happen. I understand how easy it is to go from being on top of the mountain to being at the very, very base. So I took my training very seriously, but I didn't want it to take away from my education and my schooling. So when I started training when I was 13, 14 years old, I continued to train every Tuesday, every Thursday, every Saturday, every time I could get into the ring. I continued to train, but I didn't want to get into the ring and have my first match and be an embarrassment. Honestly, I didn't want to go out there and have no idea what I was doing. I didn't want to have that, that reputation of look, look at what your family did. And then this is the trash that you're going to hand us. So I always took training very, very seriously. And I didn't want to get into the ring until I was ready. Well, you seem sharp as just sharp, really on top of it. You're incredibly articulate. What's in this day and age where it seems like, I mean, because, you know, we're going to talk to Dream Girl Ellie, and she's having her AEW Dark debut tonight. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, most everybody that we know in Florida and Georgia who's worth their salt seems like they're getting some kind of look nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, you seem like somebody who's always had a good head on your shoulders and a lot of good people around you helping you. 
do you have a plan? Do you have a timetable or what, what are your goals specifically as they pertain to wrestling right now? Yeah. So for me personally, it's always been fun to do. It's always been amazing to have opportunities and get to travel and explore. And, you know, I get to make money. Um, I've never had wrestling as like my number one. This is how I'm going to have a career. This is where, where my life is headed. I've always had, um, other outside things that that pulled me away. I actually, I went to school. I got my college degree while I was working on getting my college degree. I was working about 50 hours a week at my, at my shoot job and wrestling on the weekends. And I'm not talking about local wrestling. The only day off I had in the week was Saturday and I would spend it to drive nine hours up to Pennsylvania to go wrestle for, for vicious outcast wrestling up in, up in Pennsylvania and then drive oh, wow. nine hours back in the middle of the night and then be to work at 11 o'clock the next morning for a 14-hour shift. So my shoot job, I ended up actually working my way up, and I actually owned and operated a Sonic Drive-In in North Carolina. I did that for the past couple of years until I just recently moved out to western North Carolina because I wanted to be closer to my mom. So as far as a big break, as far as where I see my myself going in wrestling, it's never been like this is make it or break it because me – I'm a hustler. My mom always taught me how to take care of myself and to make sure that I had a roof over my head and food on the table. Like, I know that that wrestling is a struggle bus. You either make it really early and everything's great and successful and you just pray you don't ever have an injury, or you work the indies and you start to couch surf and you have to, like, get rides from people and stuff like that, or you have to ride people's coattails, and that just wasn't ever – it wasn't me, like – I, I wanted to be independent. I wanted to make a life for myself. I wanted to build a life that I was proud of and be successful at no matter what I was doing. So wrestling has always been, it's an, it's always been important to me. I've always been passionate about it, but I've never wanted to risk enough to chase it as a, like a dominant career. If it happens, amazing, great. I would love it, but I'm not going to yeah. sit here and put my life on hold and just hope it works out. I want a guaranteed plan. I'm, I'm, I'm a very safe person when it comes to finances, so I want to make sure that, that my bank account looks good before I go out and try and be a superstar. Gotcha. Gosh, that sounds so sane, you know. I mean. <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> well, you've got to think, I, I grew up with everybody that had the rock star lifestyle that, you know, yeah. my, my uncle, like, You've seen all the demons that he's gone through, and where where these people worked insane amount of um, insane amount of days and hours, and putting in work, and putting in shows, and putting in travel time. And yeah, their stories are amazing. But wrestlers from the '80s, they don't have that foundation. They don't have that that financial plan of where am I where am I going to be in ten years? Where am I going to be in twenty years? You know, they had they had a blast. They had a great time. They they made history. But a lot of them are. In, in financial hardships right now because it wasn't a what am I going to do when this is done, you know? So growing growing up in that lifestyle, seeing my parents as wrestlers, seeing, seeing my family, everyone in my family as wrestlers, it's I wanted more of a, okay, this is this is a career plan for me. This is my goal in life. This is what I want to do. Makes a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Where can we, uh, where, where will we see you performing other than at WrestleMerica this coming Saturday? So with COVID being shut down, like every, everything yeah. in North Carolina is completely shut down. Like we're still yeah. in mandatory masks. We're still limited to like 10 or 15 people per gathering. So North Carolina wrestling is pretty, pretty shut down for the time being. And 
I'm not to bring I'm not trying to bring politics in it, but we just reelected the governor that's had us on lockdown, which is just insane to me. So I don't know when North Carolina wrestling has got to get open back up. Same thing with South mm-hmm. Carolina wrestling. They've been hit or miss. And when it comes to everyone getting licenses and everything and with South Carolina, they all expire at the end of December. Um, it's insane to spend a substantial amount of money for a bunch of wrestlers to get licensed to make just a little bit of money off of the one show that they can run. So I'm yeah. open to bookings. I, I love to travel. Uh, right now, everything's just been really, really slow, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure, I mean, once you do WrestleMerica, I mean, uh, the places in Georgia are going to take a look and you've done viral and, Georgia seems like it's pretty much, as far as pro wrestling goes, pretty much open for business. And Florida right. certainly is. My God. I'm here, I'm here in Florida, Larry, in Georgia. So uh, I'm sure people are going to pick you up and, you know, I, all it takes is a booking and people see how good right. your ring work is. And, and this interview certainly will help because you're so, I, I would imagine you're going to get a bunch of bookings out of state, probably as many as you want to have. So they right. certainly deserve it. <laughs> thank you. Well, well thank this you. has been a pleasure, Samantha. Thanks yeah, thanks a absolutely. bunch for doing the show, and uh, maybe I'll run into you Saturday night in uh, Barnesville. We'll see. I'll be there. I'll, uh, I have a table set up. I have brand-new Samantha Star bracelets, so make sure you stop by and grab a bracelet. Um, and then you can always uh, follow me on – I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so you can always follow and see what I'm doing on there. I'm normally getting into something that has to do with dinosaurs. I'm probably breaking the law. So it's always really, really, really entertaining. Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> well, thank well, you thank- so much, Samantha. Thank you. Y'all have a great night. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Boy, I, you know, in some ways, uh, I'm I'm really surprised because so clear-headed, so focused, and at the same time such a sort of realistic take on wrestling and her life and her place in it. Um, again, I, I'm just shocked, Larry, in the last few years. You know, we've done this for quite a time, interviewing. And yeah. like I said, a lot of the young people, and I mean, she'd be what, 28, right? Yeah, the, 28, sort of, yeah the people that we're interviewing, um, just how together they are much more together than I'll just admit it. I mean, you know, than me and my peers were in our day, we were still, so we were caught in that fringe zone of still being in sort of like wrestling as the rock and roll lifestyle, you know, like I was made fun of because I went to college, for example. And now I would say, you know, it's much more the norm, um, to have people, that went to college or for whom wrestling is not, you know, it's, it's wrestling or bust, right? Like, and it's really interesting to see people who are married and have real lives and that kind of thing that are involved in the wrestling business. So. Well, and she made such a great point of seeing, you know, she saw what the lifestyle of the eighties did as far as, uh, you know, folks not being financially prepared and not doing that kind of planning. And she wasn't, she's not going to allow herself to be in that position. Right. Right. I got to say too, Larry, I don't know how you feel about it, but I was a big fan of Sam Houston. Like he was treated, you know, on, on Crockett, especially 
as sort of like lower mid Carter type and that kind yeah. of thing. But I always, uh, I always dug him, and he, he, I remember he would always do at least a spot or two that would kind of wake us up and get our attention. You know, where it was just like, oh, that was really well done. Like I just remember just really cleanly executed kind of cool stuff for the time as you know a uh, big fan of the Sam Houston so really cool really cool stuff well let's bring on somebody I'm a big fan of who's maybe Uh-oh. maybe maybe not on AEW Dark as we speak uh, we're very pleased to have um, Dream Girl Ellie on the tipping point welcome to the show hi <laughs> hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So what? Listen here, bitch. All right. So you're doing this interview. You got the AEW dark match. You got this match coming up at WrestleMania. It seems like you and Loco are like everywhere. I see you guys are booked all over the place. When did this start popping off for you? When do you feel like? Because, I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but there's this thing called COVID. And so things basically <laughs> shut down. And yet it felt like I was seeing your name everywhere. Even in the midst of the worst of it, you kind of kept, kept your thing going. You found ways to make money. You just hustled. What the hell? Like, who, who taught you to be like that? That aggressive, that on the ball as far as all of this stuff goes. I really do think a lot of that, Ellie. I just, you really hustled and busted your ass these last few months. Oh, thank you. Um, so with, like, COVID going on, like, I, listen, I don't really, like, no offense to anyone else, I don't really care what they say. Like, I, I'm a math queer. Um, I, because I don't, I don't want to get freaking sick like it's, it's a thing guys sorry to think like the world is not ending or whatever but it kind of was but um whenever we travel we wear a mask um when we're in locker rooms we wear a mask um we like literally take it off to go wrestle and put it back on right after basically um so we still like try and stay safe um we pick companies that have, like, social distancing that makes, like, mask mandatory and stuff. Like, we're making sure we're, like, still staying safe and everyone else is staying safe. Um, I'm semi-main on Dark tonight, by the way. I read a I read a thing. Yeah. So I'm a semi-main. So I guess I'm technically not on right this second. I'll be on in, like, two hours. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, because you guys are working. You're in a tag thing, right? You're working Eva Lisa Diamante, uh, yeah. big fan of them. Uh, you know, you're you're on the smallish side, but you probably had a few inches on both of them, right? Especially Eva Lee. <laughs> I think taller than Diamante by like two inches, and I think Eva Lee and I were like the same height. I actually got chance really? to work them both. Before. Yeah, I actually got a chance to work them both before they were signed. Um, oh. One on one with Ivelisse, and then I, did, I had a fatal four way with Diamante, and um, so it was kind of cool, like getting to see them again, and like, I mean, not like during the match, it like sucks, but uh, <laughs> I <really laughs> before. <laughs> before I found out what my match was, but um, it was kind of cool to see everyone. I know a lot of people in AEW, so it was kind of cool, like to see familiar faces and not be like freaked out that I was going to this new place because it, it was just I don't know, they're just so nice and comfortable and it's just 
fun to be around people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ellie, we've had several people on who um, have done A.W. Dark, Griff Garrison, Sean Dean, David Ali, and I would have to say uniformly people have spoken highly of their experiences there. And it sounds like you had, you've, you had a good experience as well. Oh, yeah, it was great. Um, I, I don't even know. It was just so much fun. Um, I, listen, I my match went on at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, and I wasn't even mad. I was just like, you know what? I don't want to leave. <laughs> um, yeah, I did my match. Uh, technically, I did my match Thursday morning, and then we drove straight to Tennessee, and we did a show Thursday, and then we did a show Friday, then we did a show Saturday, and we did a show Sunday, and now we're home. So, Ellie, yeah. I yeah. mean – Right now, you're on the hustle, right? You're on the gas. I mean, you're you're everywhere doing your thing. How did you get hooked up with uh, WrestleMerica? How did that happen? Um, so they, I think they reached out to Blanco, and they were trying to get us on for November. Nope, just kidding. We're in November now. October 11th. But I um, was doing flawless in Tennessee that day, and it was an all-women show, so Blanco couldn't go, uh, even though he tried. It was kind of weird. Um, but he ended up doing that show, and then they we were able to figure out November 14th for both of us. So he actually he gets credit for that one. So uh, while you were up in Tennessee, you picked up a championship at 127 Pro Wrestling. And uh, Am I right about this? You, 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 beat, a, you beat a guy yeah. for the women's title. I, I beat Dylan McQueen, yes. <laughs> um, I don't, so he stole the belt. He, like, beat Callie Young up at a show. wasn't even the show that we were at. He, like, beat her up and, like, stole her belt because it was, like, I guess it was, like, a possession. It was, like, nine-tenths of the law type of um, – I don't know. He's, he's crazy. Um, yeah. So, technically, like, Dylan wasn't ever the champ, but then he, like – Defended the belt against me, but he didn't really defend it because he lost it. So I don't really know if he counts as a champion or not. But yeah, <laughs> but I do so much intergender matches that I just think of it as like another match. So I, I was used to seeing you as a um, as a heel in uh, viral. Do you have a preference for heel or babyface? Um. It depends on if Blanco annoys me that day or not. No. Um, wow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because, like, like, as a heel, it's like I get to beat people up. And it's like, I don't know, it's cheaper than therapy. But then, like, as a big thing, <laughs> I get, like, cheered. I don't really. It's like it's, I, it depends, I guess. Sometimes I just got to go beat people up and tell everyone they suck. It's just It just works sometimes. Well, one of my favorite things in the early of COVID, um, I would put together, I would find kind of the coolest and funniest videos that wrestlers were putting out and sort of compile them, compile them in this little show that I would sort of host. And I always looked forward to you and Blanco's ridiculous videos where, Larry, I don't know how many of them you watched, but it was just so great because you play, you would just play the, you know, the straight, and you know, Blanco was always doing something dumb, and and the the look of you know disgust that you would have, and oh, I can't believe I have to put up with this shit. How much, how much of that is true? 
in your relationship? <laughs> like, do you, or, or was this just, oh, you know, this will be funny if we do this, or if it's like, you know, this thing kind of happens, so we'll, let's exaggerate it and film it. Um, um, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm sick of his shit, like, 99% of the time. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, but, no, whatever, whatever happens is, like, and just what happens at, at the house, to be honest. He's just like, oh. <laughs> like, I, wish I, so I wish good. I would be like, oh, no, we, we're normal people, but we're not. Um, there's <laughs> so much, like, Pokemon stuff around the house, and he's, like, he's actually obsessed with Pokemon. Um, it's, uh, I don't even, I don't, I, don't, I don't have words for it. I really don't. <laughs> but, no, he just said those, those, those promos are real life. Um, and um, imagine the ideas that I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Um, because you've seen like some crazy shit already, and I feel like there's gonna be more crazy shit coming. But yeah, are you? Um, oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm all in your Kool Aid, Ellie. But like, with with Blanco, because he's quite the great wrestler on his own. If yeah. Do you do you guys ever talk about what if one of you gets signed and the other one doesn't? Do you guys think that we, way? We, Obviously, you help each other get booked and stuff like that. So, um, no, we've we've talked about it like a million times. Like, what would I do on the indies if he gets signed? And he, it's actually really funny because I always think he's going to get signed first, and he thinks I'm going to get signed first. It's just funny. Um, and we just had this conversation a couple days ago because. Like, I don't want to, like, all right, I'm going to put myself over for a second. Um, in the past six weeks, I've worked for both companies because um, I'm fucking amazing. But, um, <laughs> like, we, we, were, we were kind of talking about, like, if one company wants us and the, if the other company wants us and where we would go and who we'd pick and if we picked, like, separate, you know what I mean? Like, where we would, like, and it's just, we've talked about it and we're kind of just at the, like, if it happens, it happens. Um but we're not, we're not like speaking into existence until it happens. You know what I mean? Like we're not going to stress right. that until it happens. Sure, sure, sure. How um, familiar are you with Samantha Starr? Um, well, I was actually supposed to work her at Viral in a five-on-five elimination match back in like January or February, and um she had something happen and she wasn't able to make it. So this is actually my first time working her. Uh-huh. But um I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm excited. Yeah, she she really comes across as like the pro's pro. So I think it'll be a a really good match. I mean, Larry and I have talked about how women's wrestling in the state of Georgia, it is it has definitely gone through ups and downs. And right now, it seems to be kind of in a down. So I think at WrestleMerica, you and Samantha really have a chance to make a kind of an indelible impression on the state. So what, um, when you think about all these gigs that you're wrestling now and all of these things that are happening, did you, did you have this plan? Like, did you think a year ago that things are going to be going for you as well as they are right now? Um, we're going 
going to lie, I'm really surprised they made it this far. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One second. I'm going to beat this dog up. Oh, go downstairs. Go away. Go. <laughs> Sorry. My dog's a psychopath. Go. Go. I'm gonna, we're going to fight. Sorry. Um, yeah, I don't know. I keep making jokes about like how like how I've made it this far and stuff. Like I'm I really wasn't expecting to. Um, obviously, like I'm thankful and like I'm glad I have. Um, but it's just like crazy to me that it's worked out for me and like I haven't. I don't know. I haven't royally ruined my career or anything. It's not so bad. Um, like, I have no hope in myself. But, like, it's just, I don't know. There's just a million people that want to be wrestlers, and it works out for so few that I wasn't expecting to be one of them. Mm-hmm. How long have you been wrestling now? Uh, a year and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right. I wish... I wish, Ellie, you could kick the ass because I, I train a couple guys. Well, I'm going there now to Clearwater. I don't train them to be – they don't want to be wrestlers. But, like, I keep telling them, like, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. Like, this is the time. Like, just push. You know, there's room for everybody. I, I'm going to ask you a really pointed question, Ellie. Um, male wrestlers always think female wrestlers have it easier whatever that means. And female wrestlers, like male wrestlers, have it easier. Do you have a feeling on that either way? Um, so, actually, <laughs> I just did School of Morton and, uh, on Sunday. Yeah. And I don't even remember who it was, but I almost bit this man's head off because he said, oh, I wish I was a woman so I could get booked for being pretty. Oh, oh, you don't understand how mad I got because I get <laughs> that there are some wrestlers who get books because they're pretty and no offense, but they have no talent. Like they, they're not wrestlers. They're just eye, eye candy, I guess. And I think I'm one of them. Like I get that people will be like, oh, she's so pretty, blah, blah, blah. But I like to think like, Listen, I will hit you harder than some guys will hit you. And I've had guys tell me this. So I'm not even, like, jerking myself off over here. This is just what people are telling me. So I I like to think that I get booked because I have talent and I will beat the shit out of someone if I need to. But it's just, like, I hate that, oh, well, girls have it easier because of this. But you don't understand the struggles that girls go through either, trying to get booked. Because I've had... There's uh, certain promoters and stuff. Like, I'm not going to name names and, like, bury anyone or anything. But, like, I've had promoters book me and then be like, oh, can I take you out? Blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like, oh, your ass is so nice. Blah, blah, blah. Can you wear the shorts? And, like, I'm just like, bro, if you don't, t- like, treat me with respect, I'm not going to your company. And I'm not going to help you at all. Like, it's it's a two-way street. And, like, I hate promoters that are trying to do like a side hustle basically with these girls and it's just yeah and they get the girls that are like all for it and that's their life i'm not judging anyone i really don't care i'm living my life the way i need to but i just wish it would just be over and it wouldn't be a thing anymore yeah i don't know 
I think, I mean, guys have it easy in some sense, and guys have it hard in some sense, and it's it's a two-way street for both of us that some things are easier than others, and it's yeah, like, I mean, okay. The way I see guys, it, like, it's harder for a guy to get booked in just because of sheer numbers. More, There are more male wrestlers, right? And they're not a, like, a special commodity. Sure. Yeah. So in that way, women wrestlers have it easier. However, um, guys can look however they want to look, and they'll get booked. They can get a booking somewhere. You know, mm, you're the yeah. fat, most worthless piece of redneck shit. You'll, you can find a show that'll book you, and there'll be 10 more dudes that look just like you. And you can all pretend that you're doing wrestling and, you know, glad hand each other. And for, for women, it's a much more lonely um, difficult existence you know like you, you can get booked some places where maybe you're the only woman and you're surrounded by knuckle dragging dudes that have no idea how to treat you with respect or treat you as a performer as opposed to whatever so yeah I mean it's it's just it's a different experience I guess I mean and it's good you you and Blanco have each other to sort of help each other out for sure. I'm sure that's been a, a great bonus and asset for you. Oh yeah. Like I've definitely done companies like and done shows, I guess is the right wording. Um, and I've been the only girl in the locker room. It's nothing new to me, but like, I don't know. I've been like intergender wrestling is so normal to me now that, um, yeah. I have, I actually have a bunch of guys that are like, oh, my gosh, I want to work you because you can actually do an intergender match and you can actually work. Like, there's been so many intergender matches where it's like, oh, I want to see this girl get beat up by a guy and it's some weird thing. Like, I don't – I'm not like that. I'm, I mean, like, I'm, I don't know. I I don't know. It's like punching people in the face whether they're girl or boy. I don't really care. <laughs> what would you – Ellie, what would you say your um in your at this point short career? What would be your career highlights to this point? Seeing Ricky Morton go over with Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Not even joking. I wish I was. We were at a show in Tennessee, and it was um Rock and Roll Express versus um, Revolt, which is Caleb Conley and Zane Riley, and um Ricky Morton hit a Canadian Destroyer on Caleb, and that was the highlight of my entire career. I don't even care. <laughs> I even make the joke about it. That's why I and I told people I was like when people ask me what the highlight is, I'm going to tell them that. And you were the first chance that I've had to tell someone that on an interview, and I'm very happy now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, so well, setting that one aside, how, how about from your own matches? Um, setting now, setting. Oh, jeez. Um, I. Um, I'm gonna have to say like NXT and AEW because mm-hmm. I was able to do both of those in less than two months. Um, yeah, not bad. I'm kind of proud of myself for that one. Yeah, because getting no, one of those no. chances mm-hmm. awesome enough, but being able to get both is freaking crazy. Yeah, wonderful. Um, when they get the now that Florida is beginning to to run full speed ahead, it feels like. Um, eventually that's going to bring back the sort of all-women shows um, that run out of Ibor City. 
Um, any designs on doing those shows? It seems like those, those seem to be really great shows, not only like showcases, but uh, people make tons of money because they film customs around them and all this kind of stuff. Has there been any word about those shows and doing those? Um, I something off the air, but because it's really funny. But um, I actually uh, don't work in Florida other than AEW and WWE. And, like, I'll do Ignite, which is in Deerfield Beach and Punk Pro. And that's basically, like, the only company that I kind of do in Florida, I'm not a big, I don't like Florida wrestling. Um, okay. It's weird. And it's like all over the place. Um, but I don't know. Cause I, cause I do, um, I do flawless up in Tennessee and that's like an all women's thing. And um, I feel like we're, we have so many shows going on that I don't even have to like worry. I guess I'm I, right. I'm not trying to sound like an asshole, um, but we have like the all of 2020 booked and like January booked up right now. Yeah. So. Whoa. We, yeah. So where? Yeah, that's real. I mean, like I said, I, I mean, I just see their name all over the place, Larry. So I'm sorry, Larry. You're gonna ask. No, I'm just gonna ask. Where will we be seeing you uh, beyond Wrestle America in the near future? Oh gosh. I'm pull up the calendar. Okay. <laughs> um, so we uh, we actually took this week off except for WrestleMania because we just did five shows last week. Um, mm-hmm. So, but next week um, we're at 127. Shoot. Um, I don't have the calendar up because I'm such a bad person because Blanco hasn't given it to me yet. Um, but we're, de- we're at 127 every Thursday. School of Morton every Sunday. I know we have Kapow coming up. We have Piledriver Pro, which these are all in Tennessee. Um, and then Piledriver Pro and Imperial, I think it's called. And I'm trying to trying to look at the calendar. Remember Thursday, Friday. We're in Resolute in Tennessee. They run every Friday. And then, shoot. Yeah, I don't even know. I Blanco won't send me the calendar because he hates me. Um, Needless to say, you're busy. Yeah, a lot of Tennessee oh, stuff. Yeah, so we're we're on the road every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Oof. So, nice. Yeah, we're home one to two days a week. So Ellie, one last question from me. So I see you're a Disney gal, right? You motherfucking love Disney. You're, you're, it's your favorite spot. Bitch, I live 15 minutes away from Disney. So this isn't so much a question. But hell yes, the next time you're going to go to Disney, let me know. I mean, if nothing else, I'll meet you over at Disney Springs and, like, bring the kids. I mean, you got to meet my insane children. Oh, my God, they're fucking nuts. And uh, yes, yes. So, um, so are you? Do you go to Universal at all, or are you just strictly? Because it seemed like you're like Disney fanatic person. Um. So we have passes to both, but um, okay. Universal. Um, I'm gonna shit on them for a second. They're not really good at the whole social distancing and the mask and like the correct people. That's absolutely true. Um, what she's saying. Yeah. So like, 
fuck them right now um, until it's safe. But, um, yeah, I'm going to Disney tomorrow. Then I'm going to Disney next week. I go to Disney, like, once a week. Well, one of my days home is Disney. Nice. So, and it's got all the Christmas stuff out, and I'm going to spend so much money. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh, no, 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 I, I, I think I, two weeks ago, I spent, like, $200 there. Last week, I spent, like, $100 there. And this is before all the Christmas stuff came out. Like, they have, like, the Christmas freaking popcorn bucket and the Christmas ears and all the Christmas, like, decorations and souvenirs and stuff. And I might have to sell a kidney to be able to freaking buy everything, but I have two of them, so who cares? Larry, you weren't ready for that can of worms to open up. Or no, you, I, I, you were I, I really, you're right. I really can. was not. You, you caught me up by surprise. <laughs> that one, yeah. I'm not even lying. I'm in a Disney shirt that says 99.99% sure that I'm a Disney princess. I have Mickey Mouse shorts on. I'm covered in Disney tattoos. You don't understand. Nice. I'm like I'm like their clingy ex that is just obsessed. <laughs> Larry, any final questions from you? I, I'm I'm speechless at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, when you wish upon a star, Larry. Um, so Ellie, thank you so much for being on. Do you have any, anything else you'd like to say before we wrap this Uh, whole thing up? Yeah, I'm going to plug my social media real quickly. Yes, please. It's easy. Um, Facebook is the dream girl, Ellie and the international superstars. Twitter is this is Ellie with the little underscores in between the words. Same for Instagram. Um, I do have an OnlyFans, and I have Snapchat. And I'm literally everywhere, so you can't hide, basically, even if you tried. Even if you hate me, you're still going to see me everywhere. Yeah. Okay, I have well, people, I have, I have this, people posting about me, so I'm doing something, right? <laughs> nice. Thanks so much. This has been great, and we wrapped it up in time to to watch you on uh, AEW Dark. Nice. Yeah, check, check out Ellie on AEW Dark. And, you know, I always do an AEW Dark report, so I'm going to watch it on my way home from Clearwater tonight to Orlando, and then I'll have the report up first thing in the morning. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely send me it. Thank you so much, Dream Girl Ellie. And be sure to check her out. Be be sure to get to WrestleMerica, for God's sakes, Georgia. If you're anywhere near there, get to WrestleMerica to see her against Samantha Starr. That's going to be fantastic. Going to be a good show. Thank you. Thank you. And a, a very great episode of The Tipping Point. You know, we're coming off of back-to-back-to-back weeks uh, because we did the Tracy Smothers tribute last week. So I assume we're going to take a couple weeks off, but we'll be back two Tuesdays from now. I know where I'm going to be. Larry, I'm actually going to be at wrestling shows this weekend. Can you believe yeah, it? Yeah, you, you got that ICW shit this weekend. You're going to be having a good time. And you know who I'm going with, right? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Wrestling the, Royalty will be down in Florida. Yeah. Wrestling Royalty. Jeff G. Bailey is coming down. We're going to hang out. We're going to go to both shows. He wrote a little thing about it today, and I'm sure we'll both have plenty of plenty to say and plenty of pictures with bleeding men. <laughs> so That's for everybody sure. Everybody has that to look for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Based on what I saw last on that show last weekend, there's going to be blood aplenty. 
on these shows. Yeah, Jeff, yeah. No, in fact, no shortage. Jeff was worried. Jeff was like, because, you know, Jeff always likes to show out as far as his clothes go. And he goes like, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to wear any of these cool shoes I got. He's <laughs> 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 like, I don't want to get blood on my new shoes, you know. So he's going to be in the band, but we're going to be looking, you know, we're going to be looking, we're going to be looking right. What do you got going on this weekend, Larry? Boy, this, this is a big weekend in Georgia. Friday night, we got Southern Honor. Rob's going to be there. Oh my God. Uh, we got action wrestling down in Tyrone, the doubleheader. I'm going to be there. Saturday night, we got Anarchy and Cornelia, WrestleMerica in Barnesville. So it's a big one. Dude, that's four of the majors. Happening, happening, mm-hmm. happening, happening. Mm-hmm. Exciting. And again, you know, shout out to you and Rob Rod making sure things get covered. I thought you doing the review for Southern Fried watching the video was really awesome, too. Uh, you know, we're doing our best. And uh, shout out to, you know, Charles has been throwing in um, shows when he's seen them. We can count on him to make sure that IWE is covered and Flatline. And it's just such a great time. If you want your show covered somehow, some way, just let us know. We'll figure something out. We've been figuring it out for months now. <laughs> hey, and if, if if you can't, if you, if you don't remember gwhnewsandnote.blog.spot.com, just Google GWH News. Guess who comes up first? Just oh, Google GWH okay. News, and it's right there. Right. See, now, Larry, if you would just take my advice and start an OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> we can make it sexy up in this piece. So, but uh, thank you to our dream girl, Ellie. Um, to uh, Larry for lining up the guests and Ben Masters for helping us out. A great here, deal. Here, sure the show went smooth. Congrats, yeah. thank you, Ben. I know Ben's not the biggest fan of mine, but I would be remiss if I did not mention him and uh, all the work that he's doing and all of that kind of good stuff. So it's a good time in wrestling. Get out there and enjoy it, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Tipping. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.